back blue shirts fans to episode number 159 of the locked on new york rangers podcast i'm your host john chick and we've got a very special treat for you guys today we are going to be joined in just a minute by vince mercagliano who covers the rangers for usa today lowhud.com and northjersey.com today is thursday the rangers are off today but vince has been there observing practice and covering the team in all of the previous three days he's going to give us a little bit of insight into what's going on around the rangers so enjoy all right, and so without any further ado, let's go ahead and welcome in our special guest for the day, Mr. Vince Mercagliano. Vince, how are we doing today, buddy? Doing pretty well. Uh, after three days in a row of having to wake up and get ready and, and leave my apartment early, it's been nice to, to get back to just relaxing for a day, but we'll be back on the grind tomorrow. So it's been fun, though. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, we've had, you know, four months without hockey and, you know, the season was paused for a long time. And now it's like there's more news than we can keep up with. You really have to hit the ground running every day with, when it comes to covering this team. Yeah, you know, to be honest with you, I really didn't believe it until I saw it. You know, like as the NHL was slowly, you know, releasing little bits and pieces of this return to play plan. You know, I always obviously had my doubts about, you know, how many players would test positive how would the league handle that would they really be able to make this happen um but you know come monday everything was a go and uh we were allowed to go to the um you know reporters they've basically been limiting it to no more than 10 reporters and only one reporter per outlet is allowed to just observe practice as soon as practice is over we're ushered back into the media room and all the interviews are conducted through zoom virtually so uh, there hasn't been, you know, the usual face-to-face interactions that we were having during the season. But, you know, we've been able to sit there and watch practice, which has been, you know, after four months of doing nothing, it's been kind of exciting, uh, you know, with all the safety precautions, obviously. They check our temperature at the door. We have to wear masks the whole time. We have to keep six feet distance. They actually have circles uh, around the outside of the rink for reporters to stand in to make sure that we're keeping the proper distance. Um so it's a little, it's definitely different. It's definitely eerie in some ways, but when you, when you watch the players, when you watch the team practice, it looks exactly like it used to look. Yeah, I mean, do you sense that there was any apprehension on the part of the players being back at practice, you know, given the ongoing pandemic, or are they just excited to be back out there and playing hockey and, and gearing up for a Stanley Cup playoff run? I mean, just kind of give us the vibe there, if you can. Yeah, I would definitely say it's the latter. Um, okay. You know, we asked a bunch of the, the, we we've only been able to talk to about two players a day because, as I mentioned, you know, we're doing everything through Zoom, so it's not like I'm walking through the locker room as I used to and just you know grabbing whoever I want to grab. Um, but yeah, I mean, they all said that they had their doubts as the process was moving along, and you know, they weren't sure if they were actually going to be able to complete the season. But now that they're here, I, I mean, I can tell you the enthusiasm level is really, really high, and. From the guys that we've talked to so far, about six of them so far, each one has said that they had no hesitation about coming back. They, they seem to feel that the Rangers are really doing a good job of, you know, taking all the precautions that they need to take. And obviously there's all these protocols in place uh, and they seem to feel pretty safe. And there's definitely a high energy level on the ice. Um, you know, yesterday they did their first full squad scrimmage 
and they played two 20-minute periods. Uh, so 40 minutes of hockey, which, you know, is obviously less than, than a full game, but they only had um, – they only had three lines and two D pairs on each squad. So that's, that's playing more frequently than you would in a usual game. So these guys are playing pretty heavy minutes, and the intensity level was high, uh, and they really maintained it all the way through. Um, so you, and there's a lot of chatter, um, just a lot of excitement. Like you could see, you could just sense that they're really happy and excited to be around each other, uh, you know, whether it's making fun of each other or cheering each other on. You know, the, Igor has been getting a lot of big cheers when he makes uh, – because he's already made – you know, quite a few nice saves during practice. So uh, I definitely sense that the players are much more happy to be there than they are worried about everything else that's going on. Gotcha. No, that's that's great to hear. And one thing we definitely got to talk about here is obviously the goalie situation. It's kind of been an ongoing saga throughout the entire season, really. And I think, you know, reading your articles, following you on Twitter, I think you and I both think that it's going to be Shesterkin. Uh, between the pipes for game one. But, you know, you're at these practices. You're getting a chance to see all these goalies do what they do. Uh, do you get the sense that there is a legitimate competition to be the starting goalie for the playoffs? And is there any chance at all that the Rangers throw us a curveball and end up going with either Lundqvist or Georgiev for game one? Uh, the short answer is no. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and I honestly, you know, I've been writing that since March because I, I always felt strongly that based on what we saw in the second half of the regular season, based on what we've heard from David Quinn. I mean, David Quinn never threw Henrik Lundqvist under the bus, but it was very clear when, when you would ask him about the goalie situation that he, 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 he was reluctant to call Igor the number one, but that he was going to play the goalie who he thought put them in the best position to win, and you can connect the dots from there. He kept playing Igor. So, I mean, Igor clearly was the number one based on the actions at the end of the regular season. And obviously he really sparked the team in a positive way and helped them, you know, push themselves back into playoff contention. Uh, and then with this pause, I don't really see how that changes that. Um, you know, obviously Lundqvist was able to go back to Sweden. Uh, he did seem, when we spoke to him on Monday, he did seem really refreshed. He did seem, you know, at the end of the season, he, you, you know, he, he says all the right things, but you could just tell from his body language and all that, that he was a little down and who could blame him. He prayed right. that he started like four, he started like four games over the course of two months. Um, and, and you know what, honestly, that really wasn't as much through his own fault as it was just because Shesterkin came up and, and kind of grabbed the reins. Um, but yeah. Lundqvist does seem to be in a good frame of mind. and he, he, he talked a lot about having all this time to really work on his mental uh, you know, his, his mental game, his technique and his physical game. So he, and he said he feels really sharp in all three areas and he has looked pretty good in practice, but especially during the scrimmage yesterday, like if there was any doubt that this was an open competition, I think the scrimmage yesterday was really telling from two perspectives. Uh, number one, Igor was the only goalie who played the whole time. He played all 40 minutes, Hank and Georgie split 2020. Um, and, the, and number two, I mean, Igor was just, I mean, they were all good. And, and, you know, Georgiev, to his credit, he played 20 really strong minutes and did not allow a goal. And he made some acrobatic saves. Igor was, Igor let up an early goal. There was kind of like a scrambly situation in front of the net. And Greg McKay got like a little trickle in goal. Um, but after that, you could tell Igor's competitive juices really started kicking in. And he allowed nothing for the final, you know, 30, 35 minutes. And that second period the second 20 minutes the team that he was up against was the team that had the the Mika Booch um Kreider line and they were really creating a lot of chances against him and Igor was just 
calm, cool, collected. I mean, made some made some tough saves look pretty easy. Uh, and afterwards, Quinn was raving about the way that he played. So if there was any doubt about who the favorite was to be the starting goal and going into yesterday, I think the scrimmage made it pretty clear that this is Igor's job to lose. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and have to wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse just happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And, you know, assuming he is the starter for game one, uh, do you think they would go one way or the other as far as who is the backup and who gets the dress? I mean, I've kind of been pushing for Lundqvist just because, you know, he's a veteran. He's a leader. He's been there and done that in the playoffs. I just and I don't want to see Lundqvist go out as, you know, a healthy scratch his last couple of seasons with the Rangers here. But do you have any sense that they would go with uh, Lundqvist or Georgiev as the backup on game night? I think Hank definitely dresses. Um, You know, we even saw that in the regular season, even when it became clear that Hank was third in the pecking order. Even when Igor or Georgiev started, Hank was always the backup. I think yep. in, in part that's just that's just a sign of respect, obviously, that they don't want to make him a healthy scratch. Uh, I think another part of it is they like having him around. I mean, he, he's not a very outspoken leader, but he is probably the most respected guy in that locker room. So I think they just they, they think it's important to have his presence around this young team. But number three, you know, I, I will say that Hank is is not a bad option as a starter. I think Igor should be the starter. But Hank, given his career numbers against Carolina, uh, especially what he did against him this season, I think the best game he played all season was that November game in Carolina where he made like 45 saves. Um, I do think that he will be on the bench. And I do think that if Igor so much as has a really bad period, you know, not even a bad game, I think if, if Igor falters, if he shows any sign that he's not ready for this moment, I think the trigger would be pretty quick to get Hank in there. Um, so I definitely see Hank dressing as the backup. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because not too long ago, you know, we do some crossover episodes here at Lockdown, and I talked to the guys from Lockdown Hurricanes, and I asked them from their perspective. And, you know, granted, they might not be as familiar with Igor Shesterkin as we are, but I asked them, you know, which Ranger goalie would you least like to see in net for the Rangers? And they both said Lundqvist without really any hesitation. So, I mean, you never know. I mean, I guess, you know, it's at least possible that, you know, Lundqvist, given his track record against the Hurricanes, could at least be in the mix. Well, and I know when we were down in Carolina after that uh, early November game where Hank stood on his head, that just talking to the reporters down there, I mean, because of these years and years of great performances that they've seen from Lundqvist, I mean, in their minds, he's he's a really, really difficult goalie to beat for, for good reason. And this regular season only enforce that so i could definitely understand why the carolina people would have a little fear in their heart toward him 
Definitely. And um, I wanted to uh, ask you about Capo Caco. You know, we talked about him a little bit the last time we had you on the show. And I noticed one of your articles uh, sounds like he had a good practice, uh, you know, really kind of stuck his nose in there and won a 50-50 puck against Julian Gauthier. Uh, what are you seeing from Caco? And do you think that, you know, this rest, this uh, four-month rest or however long it's been now, uh, could benefit him as we gear up for the playoffs here? Yeah, I think pretty much all of the young guys coming into this uh, training camp 2.0 or whatever you want to call it, yeah. they just seem more comfortable. Um, you know, Adam Fox, just like yesterday during the scrimmage, like when he had the puck on his stick, it was just like almost like a, not a man amongst boys, but he just looked very confident and, uh, you know, didn't rush the puck, made all the right passes. Um, you know, Kako isn't quite at that level yet, but he – like like a lot of these guys, whether it's, you know, Fox or Lindgren or Heedle, uh, they just seem to feel more like they belong. Uh, I think having close to a full regular season on the team, uh, having that run of success in the second half that they had coming together the way that they did, all these guys, in this, you know, they're walking around like they belong here. Well, you know, the training camp that they had in September, a lot of those guys were either unsure they were going to make the team or unsure what kind of role they were going to have. Now everybody has these established roles. And I think that that makes a huge difference. I mean, I asked David Quinn about it the other day, you know, kind of asking, do you, do you see physical changes? Because for a few of us, I mean, and again, I'm no scout or anything, but Kako does look, he was never, you know, overweight or anything like that, but he does look a little leaner. Uh, you know, I feel like as these guys get older, especially an 18, 19 year old kid, they're going to figure out the best ways to tone their body. I'm not saying he necessarily added muscle, but I just think that he looks like he's got a little bit of a, Quinn called it a jump in his step. He looked a little quicker to me on the ice, uh, which I think was one of the areas he definitely needed to work on. Um, so, yeah, he just seems confident. You know, Quinn, like getting back to what Quinn was saying, he feels that it's more mental than anything, than just that sense of knowing what you're in for, knowing the people around the organization, knowing your teammates better, knowing what it's like to play in the grind of an NHL season. I mean, that's only going to benefit him moving forward. Obviously, he had his struggles as a rookie, but he, he hasn't, you know, I haven't seen him necessarily uh, score a ton of goals or anything like that during these practices, which obviously we know is his ultimate goal. He, he considers himself a scorer first and foremost, right. but I just sense that he's got a little quick, he's got a little quicker, maybe a little leaner. He's a little more willing to stick his nose into those situations, especially in the defensive zone, which is where, you know, Quinn and the coaching staff was riding him to get better at. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that the, the arrow can only point up for him from this point. That's not to say that I think he's going to all of a sudden go on a run and score, you know, three, four goals in the series against Carolina. But I, I do think that we will see a slightly improved player who, you know, at his age is only going to get better. And another player I got to ask you about in training camp, and obviously he's not eligible to compete in the playoffs, but Keandre Miller has been practicing with the Rangers. Um, has he stood out one way or another during these during these practices? And do you think it's beneficial that he's, you know, obviously he's not going to play in the postseason, but he's getting a chance to know his coaching staff and get to know his teammates a little bit and just seeing, you know, the Rangers prepare for the Stanley Cup. So just any thoughts on Ke'Andre Miller in, in these practices? Yeah, I think it's definitely beneficial for him to be around the team now, not only to be around the coaching staff, but, you know, to get a feel for what it's like to play with these guys. Um, you know, this is his first real exposure to being around NHL players uh, and scrimmaging with them and, and doing all those types of, all those types of things uh, in terms of what he looks like on the ice. He is really big. I mean, like, you know, you see him, I've seen him on skates before, obviously I covered him for development camp last summer, 
Um, but he's just a big dude. Like he stands yeah. out on the ice just from his sheer presence. Uh, and he moves really well. His mobility is really good. And I thought during the scrimmage yesterday that when he had the puck on his stick, he looked, he looked pretty confident. I, I tweeted out one of the videos that I shot where him and Adam Fox were, were kind of giving it back and forth uh, on a breakout. Uh, and I thought they were moving the puck really well. So he, he looks like he belongs. He looks like he's confident. You know, I, I think the big question for him and the big learning curve for him is going to be defending. Uh, and that's why they're going to, you know, he will in all likelihood begin the 20, uh, the 2021 season in the AHL to kind of, you know, really grasp the system that the Rangers want him to play in, the, the way that they want him to defend. Um, you know, I talked to his college coaches during the break, and they felt like that was the final step for him. The offense will be there. The mobility is a God-given gift. Um, but, but obviously, they want to see him round himself out as a defenseman and, and really be reliable in that zone. And uh, this is something that I talked about on a recent episode, but Brennan Lemieux, obviously, he has a suspension looming for an illegal hit on Jonas Donskoy of the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, that happened in what turned out to be the regular season finale. But, you know, that happened more than four months ago, and the NHL still has not determined or at least not made public uh, what Lemieux's suspension is going to be. Do you have any kind of inkling as to, to what we're looking at here? Are we going to be without Lemieux for one game for two games? Is it possible they just suspend him for regular season games next year? Uh, just any idea on what might be going on with Lemieux there? It, it's going to be one or two games, I believe. Okay. Um, I, I, I've, I confirmed it a couple months ago with a league source that the league fully intends to uh, translate that suspension to the, to the tournament. So that it won't, anybody who's hoping that it will wait till re, uh, next regular season, that's just not going to happen. Uh, it will be for this qualifying round series against the Hurricanes. Uh, I was told that if it was the regular season, it would have been multiple games. But given that it is now, you know, whether you want to call it the playoffs or the tournament, um, given that, that we're now at this stage, they, it's going to be less than what it would have been in the regular season. Uh, okay. So I, one, game would, one game wouldn't surprise me, but it, I was also told it could be two. Um, and, you know, we asked John Davidson about it this week, and he basically said the league has had so much on their plate that they said, listen, we're going to get to it. We'll let you know soon. So we're gotcha. just kind of in a wait-and-see mode right now. But you could just tell, the way the Rangers are practicing, they're fully anticipating him being out for game one because the fourth line that they've been using for the most part in practice has been um, Gautier, uh, Brett Howden, and Greg McKaig. And I think if Lemieux were healthy, you would probably see Howden at center and McKaig as a scratch. Uh, but right. now they're having McKaig play center with Howden in Lemieux's left wing position. So that just tells you that they're anticipating Lemieux going to be out for at least a game. Makes sense. And uh, I, something else I thought we could talk about here is um, the Rangers who are up for awards and the Rangers who are not up for awards. Uh, Artemi Panarin, one of the three nominees for the Ted Lindsay Award, and then also Adam Fox uh, not being a nominee for Rookie of the Year. Um, I, I suppose we could start with Panarin here, and he's up against Leon Dreisaitl and Nathan McKinnon. Uh, is he your pick? I mean, I, I was debating this on a, a recent episode. I actually ended up going with Dreisaitl just by a hair. But, I mean, just your thoughts on uh, this race for the Ted Lindsay Award this season. Yeah, actually, uh, for USA Today at the beginning of the, uh, the pandemic, they had asked me to write a story just kind of saying who, if the regular season ended as is, who would I pick for the award winners? Uh, and the regular season did turn out to end as is. So I picked Panarin. Uh, you know, some people might say I'm biased because I'm around the Rangers more, obviously, than I am any of these other teams or other players. Um, 
But I, I think it's beyond just the points. Like, obviously, if you're going to look at the points, dry saddles the guy. Um, but right. there are a variety of factors that I think favor Panarin. Uh, first and foremost, more than any stat, because I can talk about stats, because there are a long list of stats where Panarin, especially in the analytics community, is a big, big favorite. I mean, he, according to, like, I, I, I'm a subscriber to Evolving Hockey, and if you look at their advanced numbers that are judged, you know, performance in its totality, uh, you know, whether it's goals above replacement, wins above replacement, Panarin ranks as the best in the league. Um, but beyond that, I, I just think the impact that he made on this Rangers team. I mean, think about where they were a season ago. Uh, they were well out of the playoff picture. Uh, they really lacked explosiveness beyond Mika Zibanejad uh, on offense. Uh, and they were just a team that people thought was a couple of years away from contending. Panarin yep. showed up, and obviously, you know, there were other factors. Uh, Igor Shosturkin showing up, Adam Fox showing up, going down the line. But Panarin, to me, just really elevated the status of this team. He gave them that explosive playmaker. Uh, and, and, you know, he, the original plan was to play him on the same line with Mika Zibanejad and have, you know, a line that could match any top line in the league. But they ended up separating them pretty quickly. And look at who Panarin was playing with. I mean, he was playing with Ryan Strom, who had a great year in his own right. But before this was, was very much a journeyman who was on the cusp of, you know, maybe being not quite out of the league. But he was in like a fourth, third line kind of guy. He was not considered a second line center. That was, you know, considered a big question going into training camp. And Jesper Foss, who in his own right is a hardworking, you know, really gritty uh, quality player. But, you know, Jesper Foss was never thought of as the top six guy either. So he took two right. guys that had never been top six players in their career and played on a line with them. And they both had arguably in Foss and Strom the best years they've ever had. And Panarin, you know, was third in the league in scoring, first in the league in even strength points, uh, first in the league among forwards. And I know people don't like plus minus, but he was first in that. He was first in goals above re replacement, wins above replacement. So he had all these tremendous stats, but he elevated every part of this team made them into a playoff contending team a lot sooner than anybody anticipated and raised the game of his teammates. So, and was better in the defensive zone than I think anybody thought he would be. So when you, when you add all that up uh, to me, he is a, he is a very legitimate choice. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned plus minus, I'm not the biggest plus minus guy either, but one thing that did stand out for me, and it's another um, reason to maybe vote for Panarin here is you look at Leon Dreisaitl, and again, he has a big edge in total points, 110 points. Leon Dreisaitl is somehow a minus seven, which when you account for 110 points, like that doesn't even seem possible, right? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, we can we can debate the merits of plus minus. I don't think it's a very valuable stat. Um, but yeah, I mean, it shows when you're on the ice, either more goals are happening or more goals are being allowed. So, I mean, obviously that doesn't come down to one player's fault, which is why that's a flawed stat. Um, right. But all these stats, I think if you pick them apart, are flawed in one way or another. I don't think that there is a definitive, hey, if, if a guy is really good in this stat, like, you know, he's one of the best players in the league. Um, even, you know, if you're talking about Corsi or expected goals or all this stuff, um, I feel like there's value in all those stats. They all sm tell a small part of the story. Um, but I don't think you can judge anybody uh, – in totality based on, you know, one or two, but Panarin, as I mentioned, there's a, there's a laundry list of stats, um, whether they're traditional stats or advanced analytics that, that really paint him as being one of the best players in the league. And then just assessing his impact from the team standpoint, from uh, a more practical standpoint beyond the stats, I, I think that there's a strong case to be made. 
Yeah, definitely. And then uh, moving over to Adam Fox, he is not one of the three nominees for Rookie of the Year. There are some great choices this year, in all fairness. But, I mean, do you feel like he got snubbed? I know David Quinn was talking about it a little bit. And he admits, you know, obviously, I'm a little bit biased here. He's my guy. But, I mean, do you think that Fox should be up for this award, one of the three finalists at least? I thought he should have been one of the three finalists, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I think I think my pick would be Kale McCarr yeah. uh, to win the award. I think I think he was by far the best rookie defenseman in the league. I mean, he, he missed time, and he still led all rookies in points. Uh, and I also think that he was just, you know, a really strong player all around. Uh, he would be my pick for sure. But I, I think there's a case to be made that Fox would be number two. I know Quinn Hughes uh, had slightly more points. I think he had seven more points than Fox. Uh, but, you know, Quinn made the point yesterday that Hughes and McCarr are – they are the point guys for their team's top power plays. Uh, Fox does not have that luxury, and I, I'm pretty confident that if Fox was the quarterback on the top power play unit for the Rangers, that his point total would be higher. The thing is, the Rangers had Tony D'Angelo, who also had, you know, a really good offensive season, uh, and they got comfortable with him as their top power play guy. So I think that if you're only looking at points, you're making a mistake because there are other factors in play here. And again, going back to the advanced stats, uh, evolving hockey keeps a defensive rating stat and Fox well outperforms uh, Hughes and slightly outperforms McCarr in terms of his defensive rating. So uh, I think Fox is actually maybe the Rangers best defenseman in the defensive zone this year, which is saying a lot because people thought that that was the big question mark for him. so, yeah, I thought he should have been in the top three. I don't think he should have been the winner. Um, you know, I know a lot of people will point to the forward from Chicago, uh, who was the third guy, who was kind of a little bit of a surprise. And, you know, he had 30 goals this season, which is great. Um, you know, he, he, he's a very deserving good player. But for me, I would have probably ranked it McCarr, Fox, and then some combination of the other two. I don't think it was like a, a huge travesty or anything like that, but I, I did believe he should have been in the top three. Yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, you know, yesterday we got some details on the Rangers exhibition game. They're going to be playing the Islanders on Wednesday, July 29th. And I'm just wondering if you have any kind of uh, an opinion about how the Rangers might approach this game. Because, you know, on one hand, it's an exhibition game. And, you know, you don't want to, you know, certainly have any injuries right before the playoffs. In the grand scheme of things, it, it is kind of a meaningless game. But on the other hand, this exhibition game leads right into the Stanley Cup playoff tournament. So you might want to, you know step on the gas a little bit and get your legs under you. Uh, how do you think the Rangers are going to treat this? I mean, is, are they going to treat it like a playoff game? Will they treat it like an exhibition game? Will it be somewhere in between? Just, just give me a feel for that. If you have any uh, opinion there. Yeah, I, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head with the gas pedal. I, I think it's going to be very important for them to be geared up and play a really, in a really competitive atmosphere with all their regulars. I, Cause they're not going to have many other opportunities to do it. I mean, you know, the scrimmage yesterday was competitive, uh, the inter-squad the inter- scrimmage, and I'm sure they'll do more of those, but it, that's not like playing against another team. Uh, right. And the Rangers are only going to have a few opportunities to do that before they are actually playing in the games that really count. So, yeah, I think it's, I, I would expect to see the starters go for quite a while in, in that exhibition game. Sounds good. And uh, I figure we can end with this. I mean, do you have any kind of a prediction for Rangers-Hurricanes? You don't have to predict a series winner. It could be... Who will score the first goal for the Rangers? Uh, who's going to lead the team and assist for the entire series? Whatever it might be, uh, just toss out any prediction for the series that you want to toss out there. I might give myself a, like a week or so more to finalize a prediction uh, before the series starts, but I will <laughs> yeah. say that I, I like the Rangers' chances. I mean, 
I don't think it's any secret to anybody that this is a good matchup for them. They, they yeah. went 4-0 against, against this team. But with, with that being said, in at least two, you could probably even say three of those games, they were outplayed. I mean, if you look at, if you look at the expected goal rates in those games and, and those kind of stats, Carolina definitely outplayed the Rangers for at least the first two games, probably the first three. Uh, they outshot them. They had more puck possession. Um, you know, really, Lundqvist standing on his head, especially in that very first game, was the biggest reason that the Rangers uh, were having that success against them early in the season. But I think the most recent game, which I believe was either late February or early March, it's all blur now, but uh, the most recent game where the Rangers beat them, the final one of the regular season, uh, that I thought was the best game they played against them. So things were trending in the right direction for the Rangers. I, I think it's a good matchup uh, for them, but it could be a little deceiving. Um, so I don't think it's a gimme, you know, or, or an easy matchup by any stretch. Uh, Carolina is a really tough, gritty team from a couple standpoints. Uh, I think their defensemen, the collection of defensemen that they have, especially with Dougie Hamilton healthy now, uh, could be the best in the league. So, th- so that is a-, a huge advantage for Carolina, and that's something the Rangers are going to have to deal with because they have big mobile defensemen who are good in the D zone and can contribute offensively. Um, and I think when you look at their forwards, their top line is explosive, a really, really good top line with all these really quality young players and Sveshnikov and Aho. Uh, but then even further down the line, I, I, I think that there's questions in, in terms of uh, how offensively productive their other lines will be, but they do have these grinding players and veterans like Jordan Stahl. Um, I think they have a nice balance. Uh, my biggest question for Carolina might be the goaltending, quite frankly. Um, but uh, I, I think it's going to be close. I, I definitely don't see a three-game sweep. I think it'll go four or five games. And, and I think I, I wrote this last week. I think it really could come down to special teams because when you look at the regular season matchups, the Rangers were, like, successful, I think it was 33% of the time on their power play, and they held Carolina to a success rate of, like, 12%. Um, so if, if that happens again, then I think that's a huge advantage for the Rangers. But uh, if Carolina can flip that and then they win the special teams battle, I think that could turn the series the other way. Yeah, definitely. And Vince, you know, this was a lot of fun today. Uh, thanks again so much for joining the show. And as long as you're up for it, I figure we can have you back, you know, before, during or after the series against the Hurricanes, as long as you're up for it. Yeah, for, for sure. Keep, keep me posted and, and I'll definitely do my best to make it. All right, so once again, a big thanks to Vince Mercagliano for joining the show and letting us know what's going on at Ranger Practice. And a big thanks to all of you for continuing to tune into the podcast during all these crazy times. We are one step closer to New York Rangers Stanley Cup playoff hockey, and that is definitely a good thing. Once again, thanks for tuning in. If you would like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest edition of Locked On NHL. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.